and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. It's Wednesday, December 6th, and I'm your host, Jorge de la Cruz. And joining me from across town here in Bakersfield, teacher, legend, former youth pastor, Chris Smith. Hello. And all the way from Billings, Montana, musician and trophy husband, Cullen Dunham. How's it going? Hey guys, I want to say welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, want to make sure that you follow us on Instagram, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to. Please give us a five star review. Um, if this is if you if you enjoy enjoying the content, please give us a five star. And thank you for the four people on Apple Podcasts who have given us uh, reviews. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for that feedback. Anyways, guys, let's continue the show. Uh, how's everyone doing today? Doing really good. Full full Christmas spirit. Full Christmas spirit. So is it snowing over there yet? No. Weirdly, it's not. Like, we had one, like, we had a winter storm, like, in, like, October. And we had, we, it, we haven't had any since. It's very weird. Very weird. But I'm sure we'll, I think we, I think we've got, like, we've got snow uh, forecasted for next Saturday or something. So. Nice. I, this might yeah, be uh, we'll this see. might be surprising. Over here in Bakersfield, it it's it hasn't snowed here either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listeners, two of th- two out of three of us live in Bakersfield, where it's only snowed like once in the like last thirty years, and yeah, uh, like thirty years. in the last thirty years, which is normal for uh, this valley. It's it's California. It doesn't snow here very often. Um, so, but. But Colin, he's like he decided to like move to Montana, where I think you did you move there in the winter? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think that was a really <laughs> stupid move, first off, but um never doing that again. But I see pictures of like well holy late sp- late fall. But still it doesn't really matter. It's still cold as hell. <laughs> it's still really cold. So let me ask you this. Is it, okay, we're recording this on what, December second. Do you guys have Christmas decorations up yet or no? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I would have had him. I would have had him up way earlier, but um, my wife loves like she wanted the fall decorations up, like until Thanksgiving essentially. So was that like so Thanksgiving like, weekend? Like that's Christmas mode. Yeah, I mean, we did Thanksgiving like two weeks before actual Thanksgiving because she worked on actual Thanksgiving, but. Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm like November for like November first. It's Christmas time. That's me. But um, she's kind of like she doesn't really care. But she's like, yeah, I want the, you know, I want it to be fall a little bit longer. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I was Saturday after okay, Thanksgiving. Okay. We See were um, uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. We pulled out the Christmas lights, the decorations, the fake Christmas tree, and put it all out. Um, you know, and last year we didn't do it. Um, and I, I had hurt my back, um, a few years ago, putting up Christmas lights or re-injured my back. So like we kind of weren't doing it as much. And then this year we got all into it. Are you guys both fake tree people Mm -hmm. in this economy? Yes. I, I would, I would happily be a real tree person. Um, and maybe I will be someday, but we, you know, right now, no. So let, let me tell you about my decorations real quick. Hold on. So I'm Mexican. And if you know anything about me Mexicans, 
we leave Christmas lights up all year long. Chris is like, oh, no, 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 no shit, you're Mexican. Yeah. My name is Jorge Lacruz. No shit, I'm Mexican. All right. But I, I, we tend to have our Christmas decorations up all year long because there's always parties. There's always things to do. And now my house, I don't say like that I, I throw parties or anything like that. I don't have those normal lights. I have those like those LED like ropes that I have at the trim of my of my house that whenever it's not Halloween, I just, or not not Christmas time, I just turn them off. But if there's a holiday, Fourth of July, whatever, then I turn them on and we're good. But with that being said, I also got these lights that light up my house at night. So during the year, they light up my house white or blue, whatever. Sometimes friends come over. I'm like, hey, what's your favorite color? And then. That's what I make my house color. But now, because it's Christmas, I make them Christmas colors. And so they're green and red? Yeah, we have we have um we have neighbor we have neighbors that have those like LED um rope lights on their house. And um I found out the other like two weeks ago, like that's like a whole business out here. Um is people installing those those leds on your house i had like i had no idea that was a thing they're cool they're just hella expensive yeah we we wanted to we we want to do them at some point but um i don't even i i don't even know how much they cost i'm sure it's a lot. i'm i'm all about like nostalgia old school traditional christmas stuff so I get the I get the fat colored bulbs that are just like plain and you got to string them up and do all that stuff. I want it to look as like I want it to look like Christmas vacation Christmas. Like that's what I, that's the look I'm going for for my house always. Like we even have a fireplace with like um what do you call those things the bit stockings on it and like I'm all about as like I hate like like all white lights like you forgot what stockings were called? Yes, I did. It happens. <laughs> I almost I almost call them big socks. What are, what are those socks that you hang up in front of your fireplace? I, I I don't blame you. I feel like I've done that before. Don't don't worry about it. Thank you. Because you only use them what once a year, so it's like whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, you know how what bad I am at them? presents. It's how bad I am at presents. I'm gift giving is like not my strength, not my gift. And so we always do like just like cheap stocking stuffers. Sarah and I, that's like our our long running tradition for Christmas. And last year I put a <clears throat> several things in there. And one of the things I put in was a $15 gift card for Taco Bell. And I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not telling stories here. She literally pulled it out and she said, you shouldn't have. That's how low of a bar I set <laughs> over the years. And it's working out in my favor now because now I can just do things like that. And she thinks it's amazing. $15 at Taco Bell is like, not a lot anymore. I know, seriously, I mean, for one person, that's that, this economy's for gone. one person, that's two visits. I yep. I could get I could do three visits out of that because I feel with the first two visits, I have gained enough rewards to get a free item to help complete my meal. I mean, like those cravings boxes that they have; those are like ten dollars yeah. now. Nah, bro, Remember you still got the five? you still got the regular one. It's five ninety nine though instead of five bucks. Yeah, I miss the days of five dollar things. Mm-hmm. See, here, here's what I hate about Taco Bell: they should just do Taco Tuesday, which 
remember there was a whole war about Taco Tuesday, whatever, and the company Del that Taco owned... does Taco Tuesday. What's that? Del Taco yeah, does. They do Taco, Taco Tuesday Taco and Chicken Taco Thursday. Guys, if they did that, if Taco Bell did that for one dollar, I'd probably go to Taco Bell on Tuesdays more often. Because for a buck, I'm like, well, oh, and Taco Bell. Taco Bell still has happy hour, but their happy hour sucks. It's a medium drink and like immediate like those the slushies, yeah, things that they have. That's it. Um, but yeah, the the company that actually owns the the trademark of of uh, Taco Tuesday, Taco John's, like they are everywhere here. It's crazy, and I've only eaten there like two or three times. And all three times, I, and I know, like, this is the running joke about Taco Bell is that, oh, you know, I can't eat Taco Bell without, you know, being on the toilet for three hours. That's Taco John's, dude. <laughs> In relation to Papa John's? It's like, I don't think so. Oh, okay. But <laughs> I don't think Papa and Taco are related. Well, maybe that's his kid Taco. <laughs> Is, I, is, no, I, speaking of speaking of that, I remember. Just reminds it just reminds me of that show, The League. <clears throat> oh, the guy named Taco. Well, Chris, I remember one day he when we were roommates, he said that if you ever married a Mexican and you had a little kid, the nickname for him would be Taquito. Yeah, I did. I used to say that. It's funny because I thought about it the other day. <laughs> I was like, that. Chalupa. That's such a weird thing to say. Chalupa Batman. Yep. <laughs> one time I got really drunk at a wedding. And there's so Kenzie has this cousin named Chad, who literally like lives up to a Chad. He does CrossFit, good-looking guy, makes good money. He's an in insurance, a super great dude. And then she also has another cousin named Grant. Like, swear to God, man, he's a stud. Stud, handsome. Why don't you go marry him? Jeez. I would. Okay, but check this out. <laughs> I got really drunk at a wedding, and then went. They had like this, like they had like a like a an old fire truck they converted into like a brick oven for pizzas and i got in the back of that thing and i was like one day when i have kids chad and grant you're gonna be the godparents <laughs> I was just, I was like two separate cousins yeah they're their cousins you're both gonna be godfathers to our future children <laughs> Jorge is the funniest. Jorge is the funniest drunk, I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that's true. He's not a drunk, but when he is drunk, he is so. Funny. Here's the thing: when I drink, though, I have Maybe to. I, I have to have no responsibilities. <laughs> like, I, like I'm very conscious of when I drink because it's like, okay, like what's my backup? Like I'm a dad now, so like I think about a kid: is he napping? Is he down? Like, how how much can I drink? Do I gotta drive? Things like that. So, like, one of our mutual friends, Zeke, when he got married, I got, I, and look, I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I never drank. You came prepared, you came prepared. But yeah, I brought a handle, from, I brought a handle from Costco, and uh, this was a, this was an alcohol-free wedding, but you could bring your own alcohol, in which people in the wedding, what? family members brought their own alcohol, you know? Yeah. And I brought my own as well. It was just in the back of my, in the back of my Honda Civic. And so I would occasionally go out there and fill up a cob and like bring it in and then we were like anyways, 
I got really, really <laughs> drunk at this guy's wedding, and I've never done this before. But it's because, like, I knew, like, look, was... I got like, like, we, it's gonna, it's we're two hours from wherever we're gonna be staying. I have you or or someone else that can drive us. You know, we'll be fine. And I got lit, and I might have given a speech. You were completely. wasted. I was completely wasted. I gave a speech while during I was drunk your, during your speech during my speech. Oh my god! And his nana was there, who has the utmost respect for me. Um, rest in peace. Rest in peace. She just recently passed, and 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 I've yeah. It was it was it was a great moment for me. It was fun. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it was a disappointing moment because, like, oh, whatever. I wasn't officiating the wedding. Like, I'm good. I'm there on my own time. You had a you had a dry wedding. I brought my own alcohol. I had no responsibilities. I'm good. But now it's like I just don't drink all the time. <laughs> That's um, okay. <laughs> Um, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, we're gonna go into a new segment of Would You Rather. Um, Colin, why don't you go ahead and read these off to us? This is a holiday edition. Okay. All right. So, would you rather have the power to bring any holiday character to life, or the power to visit any holiday-themed destination from books or movies? Now, I don't know how many holiday-themed destinations there are, necessarily. I can think of, like, two. But, um, unless you, like... Yeah, but... And, and honestly, I think two... I, I think there's an answer for both that are kind of the same. Like, because I, I feel like there's an easy answer. Like, you either bring Santa Claus to life, or you go to the North Pole. Like, I don't know. Is there like, is there, is there a better answer? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I knew I was going to pick the second option, but I was thinking about that just now when you said that, where I was like, well, if you, if you, if you bring Santa Claus to life and make him real and spoiler alert for people who still believe in Santa Claus, but uh, it, it would, it, that would imply a lot. Like that would, there'd be a lot of effects from that. You know, my choice is the second one. I, I would, I would undoubtedly choose to go to Hogwarts for the holidays or Christmas at Hogwarts. That would be, um, that would be absolutely amazing. And it's one of my favorite parts of the books and the movies is, is during the holiday season when it's snowing and they have Christmas and they say happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Yes. I would, I would totally, that would totally be in for that. What other holiday destinations are there, though? Because, like, even that technically isn't even one. Because it's just, like, I want to go to Hogwarts during this season. Mm-hmm. Bro, let me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me educate you on something right now. My, uh, so I just, well, Whoville, Whoville. Montana probably is a holiday destination. Whoville. Who, ooh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of Whoville. Well, I just watched – so I told Kenzie, like, let's just watch these corny, like, movies, holiday movies, like, one a day. And I put on this movie last night, uh, Christmas in Rome. Now, that would fall into this category. If I wanted to transport myself to Rome, then I feel like that counts. Because it is a Christmas movie. 
It can be like a, any like New York City yeah. movie that takes place during Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Like boom, boom. I'm in New York half City of now. All Christmas movies. Yeah. yeah. Another character you can boom. bring to life. I'm at Trump Tower. Right <laughs> Bell Schnickel. Mm-hmm. Is that the one from yeah. The Office? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Bell Schnickel. What other. I can't really think of any, like. I mean, you got Santa Claus. You've got, like, Krampus. If you're, you know. If you're Frosty evil. the Snowman. Uh, you got Jack Frost. Frosty the Snowman. That's good. Rudolph. Uh, maybe. But would he be talking? Like, would it be Rudolph from the cartoon or just like a, a like a real reindeer with a red nose? I mean, if we're doing a hypothetical, why not just do the actual Rudolph that talks? I guess, yeah, I guess this is a hypothetical question. It can be whatever we want. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. You can do John McClane. He, you could bring you, you could bring John McClane back. Stop! It's, that movie is not a Christmas movie. It is in my heart. <laughs> it's not. It is in my heart. Oh my gosh! Because uh, I want to. Sure because I, I want like everyone John... wants to spend Christmas Eve at a company party. <laughs> On Christmas Eve, yeah. But hey, who's going to that? Hey, man. If, if I'm going to get drunk at a Christmas party, no have no responsibilities, sign me up. Hell, I'll even be like the one dude and do a line of Coke. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I've never done Coke before in my life, guys. Like, doesn't one of the John Wick movies, like, take place during that, like, have a, have a snow in it, too? Dude, it's, it's the, like you could say, like... It's like the first movie. John Wick. Is it... Yeah, that's so you could say John Wick is a Christmas movie, too. Is it, um... By that logic. Is it one of the Iron Man movies? Does one of the Iron Man movies take place during Iron Christmas? Iron Man 3. Yeah, Iron Man three. Iron Man see Iron Man three is definitely a Christmas movie because it's surround like the whole the holiday surrounds that whole movie. Like he's even getting Pepper Christmas gifts and everything. Yeah, that's exactly what. Have you ever seen Die Hard? Yes, but it's like such a minute part of the story. Are you freaking serious? He flies in to spend Christmas Eve with his wife that he separated with. It's at a Christmas party. Okay, that means like Hook, the uh, Robin Williams Hook. That's a Christmas movie. It could be. There's a lot, <laughs> like, but th- that's the main event. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> this is, I hate this debate because it's so stupid. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? That's just your opinion. <sighs> All right. Well, Jorge, you never answered. Yes, no. I did. Oh, you said Rome. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that counts. Because like, I, I can pick anywhere. Like, I watch a movie. Like, oh, yeah. This movie took place in here. Like, in this place. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I'm, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm moving on. All right. All right. So would you rather have the ability to make any holiday dish taste exactly how you want it to or be able to instantly learn any holiday song on any instrument? So how I look at this is like, you're not, you're not necessarily, like, you don't have to be making the dish, but, like, it could be, you know, some estranged relative that brought something for the potluck, and you think, wow, this looks disgusting, but here's how I want it to taste, and it tastes exactly how you want it. That's how I'm looking at that. But it also could be, like, oh, man, 
this I oversalted this, but and then you still can make it t- taste perfect. I I would choose the second I don't know, one. Man. I the first one I I don't I, I mean I understand it. I just don't understand why it would be good. Um, the second one to be able to instantly learn a not just a song a holiday song on any instrument would be really impressive and would be a great way to impress people. Hence it being impressive. Yeah. I don't know. I've t- to me, that's just like a party trick though. Like who are you actually doing that for? I mean, like, like Christmas songs specifically, a lot of them are like really like intense and like jazzy. So like it would be very like impressive to just be able to learn or to be able to know how to play them on anything. But also at the same time, I'm like, all right, am I just playing them for myself or like at that point it just becomes like a party trick. Like to me, I would much, I would much rather just eat the most amazing food all the time during the holidays is that what that means and i'm a musician and i'm a and i'm a musician yeah like have the, the ability to make any, any holiday dish taste holiday exactly food, how you whether want. you there's so much yeah, variability so in that to either me. you're making it there, there's so much variability in that to me i can make this uh ham taste like turkey i can do anything if there's not it's so broad in general well it's exactly how you would want this ham to taste so like the perfect tasting ham that's what it would be i see like perfectly seasoned perfectly sweet all that kind of stuff and then like i said like if someone brings like you know a horrible looking like meal to a potluck that or like a uh, christmas party you're having and like you have to you know have a little bit on your plate just to make them feel better about it and you taste it and you're like okay I want this to taste exactly how like it should or just, you know, whatever. I'm still going with the music. I think that'd be cool. I'm going to think just for myself, as much as I want to learn Oh Holy Night with the kazoo, you know, I think it'd be really cool to do that. Um, I think that mine would probably be the dish because, you know, I want to be selfish and this is, tis the season to have gluttony. And if you look at me, you can tell that I like to eat. So, dude, I'm all for having really good food. Let's try it. I'm picking. I'm picking the food too. Yeah, because I, I, I can again. I can play a holy night on kazoo. You know, that'd be nice. But I also like. I can learn. Look, I have no musical abilities, and I don't want to learn one instrument on one mm-hmm. song, and then that's it. Yeah, and. Like what other holidays have songs? Not really any. So it's like Monster Mash. Kind of using this. Fourth of July has songs. Yeah, I mean maybe Easter has a ton of songs, dude. Yeah, every Christian song is an Easter song. Thank you. Well, yeah, but the the it doesn't have like. Christmas is like the the holiday that has the songs. Like you're right. They're not all church. It's songs. more definitive of Christmas. You're right. And they're not. Yeah. 
like Easter, like what? There's no Easter songs that are just talking about like the Easter bunny. <laughs> um, there should be. They, uh, I'm going with the food. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there is, but um, yeah. All right, and that has it for what would you rather? Now let's move it on to current events. What's going on in current events, guys? All right, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so I uh, there's been this thing going around Instagram uh, and different social media outlets about um, how there's a study that shows, and I'm always skeptical of there's a study that shows, uh, but there's um, enough, um, I guess, evidence that shows that millennial dads are actually spending a lot more time with their children um, and I've seen this in other places where like millennial dads at a higher rate than previous generations identify more deeply with being a dad. Um, uh, they, there's even something I read right here where it said um, in 1982, only 43% roughly of fathers confessed to never having changed a diaper. Um, however, today that's about 3%. And I can't imagine being a dad without changing a diaper. And I've heard of dads in previous generations saying, no, I never changed the diapers. I never did all that. Um, and, and there's um, another stat that shows that 80% of fathers um, um, at our age would rather um, would do anything to be at home with their baby. And so I think that's all I have. Um, I have a couple of thoughts about it. My skepticism is that our generation, Colin, are you technically a millennial? You're a millennial, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm the last millennial. Ah, uh, I feel like that's like a, a Star Wars, the last millennial. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, um, the, my skepticism is this: is that our generation has children at a much lower rate than previous generations at a much older age as well. So I wonder if that the sample size is just different because the dads are, there are fewer dads. So therefore they're really more into it. Um, but I think what is, is encouraging is that, I mean, just for me as a, as a teacher and a former youth pastor, a lot of the issues that I confront with kids or what I see in kids is, is fatherlessness so there is like if I'm going to take a less cynical approach to that survey, I would say this is actually awesome because kids really need dads like really, really, really bad. And um, I always think that we – if we were to boil down all of our problems in society, we'd see the source of the problem is family or the breakdown of family, I should say. And the solution is how do how do we um, create healthy family dynamics and community to where we can – fix those problems that kids grow up in the safety and the health, healthy dynamics of family. And so that was encouraging to read. Um, and I also see that too. Like a lot of my friends who are dads who are my age, um, almost all of them. I mean, there's, there's issues here and there and there's, it's not a perfect assessment, but the vast majority of them are awesome dads and involved dads. And they're very present dads um, who are changing diapers, who are teaching their kids, who are loving them and they're, they're present with them. Um, but I also know that um, family, traditional family values 
as far as like the dream of having a family is also not as prevalent among Gen Z and the millennial generation. Um, things like um, um, careerism or affluence or even just like popularity on social media um, are really huge. And there's also the fact that a lot of millennials have gone through a lot of hard economic times and feel that it's really hard to even start a family because it's so expensive. Um, so there's like, I'm a little skeptical about that survey, but at the same time, there is some hope where it's like, I, I do see a lot of dads my age who like really do care and kind of go against that stereotype of, of, of millennials and, um, and some of the issues that we've seen with, with fatherhood, um, in our society. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that? You guys are dads. What do you think? What were the, what were the stats? Let me pull it up again. I shouldn't have closed my phone. One of them was like, you know, 43% of dads in 1982 said they had never changed a diaper. while it's only 3% now. Um, and I had read somewhere that um, it's a much, a, sorry, go ahead. That's a huge dip. Yeah. It's, it's, that's wild, that right? Is, that's a huge and another Huge thing about there. that too is that Huge there's a number. lot more dual income families now where um, the mom and dad are both working. So dad, like that's like us, like I, I mean, that's you guys too, right? Uh, I, uh, I, I've always been super involved with all the, the baby stuff with Oliver. Yeah. I mean, um, my wife and I are fortunate enough to where like, I'm able to just be at home with our son. Oh, that's right. Um, and like she, she brings in enough money, um, as a nurse to supplement everything that we need and allowing us to like have excess. So like, and I know that that is, you know, a very, a very privileged, um, place to be. And I know that not, there's so many people that can't have that, um, but but at the same time, like, like I, I have always wanted to be a dad. Like that's been one of my ultimate life goals is to be a dad. And, you know, a part of it is I didn't have a good dad. Um, so, you know, I wanted to just be like light years light years ahead of what of what I had as a kid and um you know if you believe in breaking generational curses then like that's part of it too you know just like I want my son to always feel loved and always feel like he has a friend in in his dad um but also like a lot of those numbers kind of like make sense to me in the sense that, you know, you talked about, um, the dad, like, uh, like Gen X or boomers, um, they were it, like becoming parents because that's what they felt like they had to do essentially. Like, um, Oh, like I graduated high school. I graduated college. I'm married now. Okay. And the next step in life is to have a kid you know, I may not even want a kid, but I got to have a kid because that's just how it is, um, in, you know, Western culture. But now with 
it being so much more expensive to have children and, you know, dual income families and, or, you know, sometimes not dual income families. And there is only one income that is, you know, struggling to make ends meet, but, you know, they do want, they still, I think, I think it comes more at, I think it comes way more out of a want to have a child. So dads like are way more invested in their kids because, you know, despite, despite the financial trouble, despite like, you know, Oh, like I'm, I'm having a kid. So like, I am not the center of my own universe anymore. Um, like I would do anything for this kid though, because like, I want, I want, I want, I want this child, um, despite all of the, you know, the cons that, uh, may be surrounding having a kid. So I think that's a huge part of it because like 43% down to 3%, that is like, that's crazy. Yeah. That is a wild stat and I love it, you know. Ever since I was like a kid, like or even a young adult, I couldn't wait to be a dad. Like I, I look forward to that. I want to tell you this: one of my favorite memories that I ever got was when I was in ministry school, and my roommate got me a birthday card. But he got me a birthday card that was for a dad, mm-hmm. and somewhere in my boxes, I still have that card. It meant the world to me because I couldn't wait. So now I got a kid who I can hear right now crying outside and, uh, you know, but with, all, with that being said, like, I, I, I love being his dad. Like I literally today, right as soon as we got back from my friend's house and before I got him out of the car, I looked at him and I said, I love being your dad because it's my favorite thing. Like, I love it. I, I look forward to seeing him every day. I love waking him up in the mornings. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. It, it's like as much as, as as much as like the the infant stage and the newborn stage is hard like i like i wake up every day and i just think about how just unbelievably blessed i am to have my son and like he you know and he's he'll be a, he'll be a year old in 2 months um well in a month actually um, which is insane to me, but like, he's coming so much more into his personality. He, he's just a giggle machine. Like, it's just, <laughs> and like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm not around him for like, you know, six hours on a Saturday, if I'm serving at church, like, oh my God, I miss him so much. Even though before then I could not like wait to get away from him (laughs) because like because of you know how much there how much stress there is of being a parent but I still like it I still love him so much um you know I'll I'll change I'll change as many diapers as I need to change yeah I I love it too man I I always talk about talk about how much I just, I love being a dad. It's the best thing. It changes you. It, it transforms you. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and uh, for those of you who don't know, my, my wife and I struggled for years to get pregnant. Um, 
for you know the, a, the variety of reasons that I, I you know I don't need to get all the details, but uh, we we really really struggled and we had you know hit a point of hopelessness where we just we were convinced we'd heard from several doctors that it just wasn't going to happen and um, it was just incredible despair and hopelessness and sadness and there was one uh, like Father's Day was like a hard day for me like that was that was rough um, and I remember like skipping out on like. Um, events with our friends, kids or whatever, cause it was just too painful. And I remember there's one father's day where we were in the, like the depths of the darkness of it. Right. And Sarah had actually wrote me a card. Um, she hand wrote it where it was like 10 reasons why she believes I'm going to be a good dad. And it was like, I still have it. I keep it in my office desk and like every once in a while I pull it out and look at it. And to, when you struggle with infertility, I always say it's like grief in reverse where you're not grieving someone who's not there. You're grieving someone who you always thought would be there, but you're, you're not sure if they will. And you're, you're, you want that so bad. Right. And I remember reading that letter that she wrote and it just like, just uh, ripped me apart in a, in the best way possible. Like it was just really profound and it's crazy to look back on that and look now and, and looking at fatherhood and I, I see it so much differently, I think because of, because of what we went through and I'm so um, it was tough, you know, but I, I love, I love being a dad and I really believe that we need more dads who love being a dad and are involved with their kids' lives. That that's number one. It takes precedent over everything. And I, I'm so encouraged and inspired hearing you guys talk about it. You know, um, I, I love it. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my next. I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, mine's kind of a Christmas themed, um, but uh, I mean, I know you guys know all the 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 fires and stuff that happened in Maui. Um, Jorge, I know that you and Mackenzie, your wife, um, were in Maui not too long before the fire started, um, and how much like that meant to you. Um, but what's really awesome is that Walmart and Salvation Army are surprising thousands of kids with toys, um, that live in Maui. Um, it's been three months since the fires. Um, in, how do you spell, how do you say it? Lahaina? Lahaina. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I just saw that and I thought, I mean, you know, toy drives and charity drives, they're a dime a dozen, but like when, when it's like in huge numbers like this for, um, people that have lost so much and have lost some, and some people that have lost everything, like, even just like a little, just a toy makes all of the difference when, you know, I'm sure the parents are of, of those kids are so much more worried about like what, um, what their next meal is going to be, not Christmas. (laughs) Um, so I just thought that was really, really cool to see. That's awesome because like, look, man, like 
it, it was heartbreaking for us to see the uh, stuff that's happening in Hawaii because, you know, we were there, I think it was like September of last year, but my wife had been there before when she was a kid. And they're like, there's this big giant tree in Lahaina right there near the water. And she loved it and, you know, wanted to take pictures there. And it meant a lot to her and to see it burn down. And it really sucks, you know, that all those, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people who live there. Besides the tourism, like homes were affected. And it's really cool to see great companies like that kind of be able to stay forward and be like, hey, PS5 for you, PS5 for you, like or whatever it is they're going to be like. That's awesome. It's a, it's, it's a huge blessing. Anything that, that can be given to them is a huge blessing. Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting because yeah. that's something I've thought about. Like, I've heard of people's houses running down and losing everything. Um, and that's like, that's such a terrible and terrifying and awful thing to go through. I cannot imagine, um, especially in a, a natural disaster like that, where it's not just your house, it's your whole community and everything around you is, but I, I love that, um, man, community is, is so important and charity through community is, I think so critical to like human existence where they, where things like that happen, toy drives or things like that, where, you know, people come together and support each other and help each other out. Like without that, like everything seems to fall apart in my mind. But I, I also think it puts you in this place of like, like this, this time of the year, I'm always reminded of how important gratitude is. And it's not just because of Thanksgiving, but it's because Christmas is just so, such a contemplative, like season, I think. And I usually think back on like past years or even like family members who passed away or um, previous Christmases or what happened in the past year and I think it's so important to like maintain gratitude for what we have um, because we do have a lot to be thankful for. I think that's just so, um, so critical. Um, and uh, it's tough to see families go for, go through that, but it's awesome to see people step up and, um, you know, support them in whatever way they can. Yeah. Like my wife, Katie has firsthand experience with, um, this same thing. Like, and I, <clears throat> ironically, it was, um, I think it was Christmas night. Um, there, how, um, when she was like, well, she wasn't a kid anymore, but she was, I think she was still living in her house. Um, but yeah, Christmas night, her family's house burned down. That's wild. Um, and like, thankfully, they were all safe and they all got out. Um, but yeah, it's a crazy, but she still te- like, she tells, talks about it today. Like, yeah, like, you know, the whole, and she's from a super small town in Kentucky. So like everyone came together and helped the, helped them. And, you know, everyone knew, knew their family. And so I mean, like, it's terrible that that happened in, in Maui and, um, Lahaina, but like, it really kind of, it, it, it gives you more hope, like in humanity, those moments and it shows like, not like everything's not all bad, you know? That's really good. It worries me the disconnectedness created by social media and things like that. Um, The general division and distrust we have right now. Um, 
the breakdown of certain institutions that bring us together in community, you know, um, like it worries me that we lose sight of that. Um, not that I think, I don't, I'm not so cynical that we'll lose sight of it forever, but things like, uh, um, like church are like really, it's really important for that sense of community. Like there's been times where Sarah and I have been sick or even when we struggled with infertility or when all of our all was born and people from the church came together and like supported us or bringing meals or praying for us or helping us out or whatever. And I think that is one of the like really necessary, but overlooked elements of humanity because we're so individualistic, um, in our, in our thinking. Um, yeah. Well, we're also try like, we're also tribal in like the best and worst of ways. So like when someone is in need, like that tribal instinct that humans have to come together and help, like that is, that's like the best part. And then, you know, like you were just saying like about social media and how it's just so easy to be, you know, divided and, um, you know, everybody's got to, you know, shout back their, you know, their comeback and have a opinion on everything. Like that's like the worst part of our tribalism as a species, but in, you know, in moments like that, like it, it's so easy to like, it, at least for me, like it's so easy to become, I call it like a glutton for tragedy and like, like you don't like you hate that you you hate that you're seeing it but you almost like can't help yourself Mm. and like um like part of you wants to fuel that like rage fire um that social media gives you um and like the what do you call it like the um that self-righteous like you know i gotta you know, have, I gotta have an opinion on this, but I'm not actually going to do anything. But, you know, if I say, if I, if I say something that sounds remotely smart, then, you know, people will think I'm important or something like that. I mean, and it's not bad to have opinions. It's not bad to be upset by things that have nothing to do with you personally, but it's like, I just like I think society has become so so binary in that sense. It's like things are either good or bad, and you know, and and a lot of the times I feel like the bad tries um, the bad drowns out a lot of the good, um, and that's why like when I saw this story, I was like. And honestly, like, I hadn't even thought about the fires in Hawaii, basically, like, since the, you know, the week of news that the week of news circulation that it had. So, I mean, and that's like a whole nother, you know, um, you know, beast that could be tackled of, you know, all right, you know, on to the next, on to the next tragedy. Um, But, you know. So I, 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 I had forgotten about it and then seeing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like there's so many families and kids that, you know, are essentially like 
Christmas was canceled yeah. <laughs> for them in a sense. Well, I got a, I got a quick little story real quick. Um, I was going to talk about people stealing a golden toilet, but something else has happened here in the United States that it's a little political. So if this, you don't want to listen to politics, please don't listen. But a member from Congress was expelled for a lot, for a lit, a list of reasons for his, he's being indicted under so many charges. We're talking about George Santos. And again, he hasn't been proven guilty. So some people think that this expulsion from Congress was maybe a little premature, which really in the legality, yes. But this dude has such a huge rap sheet. It's it's embarrassing. It's hilarious, like, actually. He's misused campaign bo- so he, he misused campaign finances for Botox, <laughs> for OnlyFans. <laughs> I mean, this dude had it made. And it, it just makes me wonder, how did this guy get elected? And second, why can't that be me? Why can't why can't no, no. they get elected? They get elected. They get elected. I don't want to be expelled. I mean, but, you know, no, I want to be elected. I'm not gonna misuse campaign finance money. I'd be like, like, damn this this dude had a rap sheet that voters voted for this guy without doing like a deep dive into it, like his history. He he's a big old mystery because like <laughs> I I've seen like it's kind of like it's kind of like like the actual real life version of you know like when like when obama got elected and everybody didn't think that he was an american citizen it's like who is this guy (laughs) like how is he in how is he in congress uh like speaking for constituents which also like i did love that he like tried to argue that he is an elected official by due process and like all that kind of stuff but in his whole tenure, like he proposed like 40 bills and didn't get a single one of them, even like past no committee. One, I don't pass committee, I don't, which, which I get past committee, it, 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 which I can, I get, agree. It's really hard, but he also was not able to get anyone to back him up and help move he it wasn't, forward a little bit. He wasn't. Yeah. And he, and he didn't, even, I don't even think he got a single vote on any of his bills. Like one of, I, <laughs> like one of the biggest, just like it's so crazy because like every my, my wife loves SNL so i've been watching SNL a lot more lately than i did in the past it's like SNL is real life like how how can it's it's not even a sketch anymore like, yeah right this is a movie this, like this right now that's happening is an SNL sketch but you know what he's probably going to get like a nice little like series documentary kind of a thing out of this you know this isn't the last we've heard of this guy you know you know we 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 pray for him it's definitely not the last we've heard of him because he's definitely gonna be like blowing the whistle on some people he's gonna get because he he, he's already threatened that plus the i like there was only a few like there was a handful of republicans that voted against um, expelling him, which I'm really surprised. And, which I'm really surprised. Which, but it was those people. I, you know, it's those people that he has like dirt on. 
<laughs> and, and look, whatever. I honestly don't think anything like that's going to happen. I'm just curious to see, like, is he going to be able to be put in a prison, like super low security, that a documentary crew can follow him around? It's going to be like The Office, you know, kind <laughs> it's of. Gonna be like, it's like like Arrested Development. It's, yeah, it's Arrested Development. Yeah, you. you so you I have, have I have a couple of. Just like work. Interesting like, thoughts here, thing. and I have one. I have one yes. that I, I, I feel like you, you you were like very you were waiting to chime in. Like you were like it, yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the Santos thing is just it. like oh yeah. A lot of the Santos thing is really funny to me. I there's a couple of things I have. This number number one. There's undoubtedly going to be a Netflix style documentary in the form of like fire the fire festival where it's a big fraud, big scandal. Like yeah. all that stuff, and it's gonna Hulu's <laughs> gonna do one, Netflix do one, HBO already is already doing a show about him. Like, a, like they're gonna have an actor playing him. It's gonna make people a ton of money because oh, it's they, a huge they story. Are? Wait, yes, really? who is yeah? Netflix? HBO HBO is already doing like really? a live action, like a like a show, not a documentary. Yeah, and I would love for it to be. Um, uh, I would love for it to be comedic and just like making fun of the whole thing, but like the dark kind of comedic, you know, almost like Succession. Um, but uh, it'd be hilarious if it was like, you did you guys ever did you guys watch that show Jury Duty? No, not mm. yet. <laughs> okay, uh, well it's like this. Everybody else is in on the joke except for this one guy, who actually thinks he's in Jury Duty, like going through Jury Duty, and like all this like craziness happens, but he doesn't know that it's essentially like a prank show and like Joel, I think it's not Joel McHale. It's somebody else. That's I think it is Joel McHale. Uh, is it Joel I McHale? Think, I think he's in um, it. Yeah. But that would be hilarious. Like just, a, <laughs> it's actually George Santos. <laughs> and it's like documentary style. Yeah. It, it's like a prank show, <laughs> but he doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think there's gonna be so much crazy stuff that comes out, but I, I have, I have a couple of, of have big thoughts about this. It's Jorge is right. It's it, Congress is so gridlocked or the house is, it's really hard to get anything passed. They can barely fund themselves. The, the Senate is a much more serious institution has actually done well to like, people don't separate the Senate and the house. The Senate has actually done really well to like maintain a lot of its like, um, kind of institutional integrity over the last few years compared to the house of representatives, not compared to its history, but compared to the house and the house has become a deeply unserious place, um, like deeply unserious on, on both sides. It's, it's really bad. And a part of it is I've, I've heard uh, there's this writer. I really like Jonah Goldberg who talks about how everything is about the small dollar donor now. Um, and that has made politics more populist because they everyone tries to like appeal to the anger and the rage of everyday people which leads to populism and it, it makes it to where it, it it leads to people who are just trying to get out on cable tv news to get those small dollar donors um and so i think what happens is with the house because um because it's a lot less serious and a lot easier to get into than the senate is that virtue character integrity good ideas, the actual work of legislating and governing and compromise don't matter. It's not important. They they don't care that they're not passing laws. That's they, they that's not really their interest. Not all of them. There are a lot of pretty serious like Congress people out there. I mean I follow Congress pretty closely. 
there's a lot that are actually doing a lot of the work, but the reason why you don't know about it is because they're not doing cable news shows all the time every night. A lot of these folks are getting in there and they are, uh, they're in it not for the virtue, not, they're, not, they're, they're not virtuous, they're not in it for the actual job. They're in it because they want to get cable news shots. They want to get small dollar donors and they want to curry the favor of their party leaders so they can become, they're trying to build a career, right? And um, it used to be that um, uh, really at the foundation of the constitution, the idea of the politician was really a public servant. It wasn't a career. And so you were there to really represent your people and to do the work of Congress. And that wasn't, that's not always been true from the beginning, but that was the ideal behind it. Um, and so what happens is you get a George Santos or Marjorie Taylor Greene, or I would even argue like an AOC or uh, Boebert or um, Tlaib and some of these people who it's like, you're there because you want the a cameras wiener. on you. You want <laughs> Anthony Weiner and you want the, uh, you want the uh, you want the small dollar donors. You want the Twitter follows. You want all this stuff. The actual legislation part is not that important to a lot of them. They don't care if they don't pass laws. They're there to to have news cable clips, and all of that to me is a reflection of what you were saying. How did this guy get elected? It's a reflection of the the decay, the civic decay of like the citizenry, the people who are getting away from important values and community like we were talking about when talking about being a dad or the charity that we we're talking about it's like if we can have all the political stuff sorted out everything else will be fixed so we're going to elect the craziest hoo-hahs and it's just going to be a mess as opposed to what really matters your faith your community your integrity your character being virtuous being generous those kind of things and when we make politics at the center of our culture as opposed to politics running downstream from culture it leads to things like George Santos and he's just, he's just, is just a joke, you know, the expelled. That's all. Also, this has only happened six times. Let me give a it. quick, quick history thing. And only six, six times, three of which were 1861. Those three congressmen were fighting for the Confederacy. So of course they got expelled from Congress. The other two was uh, 1992. There was one that where it was, uh, uh, the guy was, um, not, he was uh, convicted of sexual assault, and um, and the other one was another uh, uh, had to do with fraud and um, bribery and things like that. So, so this is only number six. That's crazy. Okay, I'm done. Nice. <laughs> In the two hundred and something congresses that they've been, it's only happened <laughs> six times. Six crazy, times. right? And three of which were Confederate soldiers. So that's says something. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our main topic. All right, and we are back. Um, so we it's the beginning of the Christmas season for – for most people, um, I for one am a a uh, November first. It's Christmas time, but I know to most people that is heresy and should be outlawed in in most states. Um, it's post Thanksgiving or bust. But um, we wanted to talk about um, like what is Advent um, because along with the Christmas season um, goes um, Advent 
for, you know, if you um, practice um, as a Christian or a Catholic or any, you know, um, any like liturgical tradition, um, Advent is a, uh, a very important part of the Christmas season. Um, so we, we wanted to talk about just kind of like, what is it? You know, it's not just a, it's not just a calendar where we, you know, open up the boxes and there's a little, you know, piece of chocolate or something inside of it for every day. It's a lot more, you know, uh, meaningful and has a lot of history behind it. Um, so yeah, do you, uh, do any of you guys want to have any first thoughts? Um, so for me personally, like I love the season of Advent. Um, Advent for me is it's it's a, a, for me it's always like for, it's always hopeful. You know, it's the anticipation of something coming, and you know we have you know the the birth of our of, of the Savior of Jesus. It's always something that I really look forward to. I know a few years ago, my wife and I we did like a an Advent Bible thing we would do every day and there was something about doing that together that was really special and I enjoyed, and it was just learning about him and just, it was this buildup. It was this buildup of joy, of hope, of, of, of a savior coming. I know, for example, Chris and I attend the same church and normally we do house churches. And, but for, during the season of Advent, we're all coming together corporately every Sunday to, to kind of be together and kind of experience this Advent together. And this, you know, it's this, is this hope that's coming. And so I'm really excited for it. It's one of my favorite times of the years that I love to be a part of. Um, and not just because usually every year we do a, a wine <laughs> Advent thing. We like to record our videos of us drinking a, a glass of wine every, uh, you know, the 27 days before, you know, the days before Christmas, we're not doing that this year. Um, but, you know, it's more than just that. It's, it's the hope, the anticipation that's coming. So that, that, I'll say that real quick about Advent. Yeah, I mean, um, Advent uh, comes from the word, the Latin word Adventus, which uh, literally means coming. So it is, the whole season is about, you know, the coming of the Savior and being in an anticipation of his arrival and, um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I know it, it really has kind of been dumbed down to like the silly advent calendars to the point where like, you know, oh yeah, that's an advent calendar. It's just a countdown to Christmas, but it's, it's really so much more than that. It's you know, kind of like almost the last, it symbolizes like the last days. Um, not like, um, not like Armageddon last days, but like, um, but kind of in the same thing, like we're, you know, if you believe in um, that Jesus is coming back, um, you know, that, that in itself is an advent, um, being an expectation and 
you know, waiting for, you know, Christ's return. And, um, in a sense, like that was what the, um, the Hebrews were doing. They weren't waiting on his return, but they were waiting on the Messiah. Um, and, you know, most didn't believe that he was the Messiah because he didn't come down as a king. He didn't come down, um, you know, with with gold and riches and kind of this same, um, like, political cl- climate that we're in right now with, you know, this, you know, the, the Make America Great Again, like, that's how the er, the uh, the early hebrews that's what they wanted in their messiah was you know make israel great again um and when jesus when when jesus did not come as you know a mighty king and a um a conqueror essentially and didn't throw down um rome and um defeat caesar and um all the powers that oppressed his people, like it was very hard for them to believe like, okay, who are you Jesus to, um, to, uh, come in the name of God? Like, yeah, I, I, um, I, I grew up in a, a Pentecostal adjacent, uh, charismatic old school church and we didn't we we would do Advent, but not talk about like the word Advent wasn't used as much as we just talked about Christmas. And I love the centrality of tradition and faith. That's really important to me. I think it's one of the things that actually upholds religion and Christianity and our spirituality. And we we tend to like because we always want to question how things have been and why are way they are. We tend to not understand why they why they're there. But Advent is one of my favorite traditions of being a Christian. And it's the expectation, it's the beginning of the church calendar, but it's the expectation of something new coming, uh, uh, of a of um, something hopeful to look forward to. And I think about two things, both of which kind of mirror each other. The expectation that Mary has at, in this part of the schedule traditionally in which she is anticipating the hope of a new baby arriving. And if you've been in that place when you're in the ninth month or the 11th hour, so to speak, it is exciting because you're like, I'm going to meet the baby and that Mary has that sense of joy and excitement and hope and that she knows that she's going to be giving birth to the savior of the world. Um, that expectation and celebrating that and the birth of Jesus is um, uh, so special to me, but I think it's also gets into like what we call eschatological tension where it's the, um, that we, we, the kingdom of God is here, but not fully here yet. And meaning that Jesus has come, he died and resurrected. He initiated the king coming of the kingdom of God. And he is here, but not fully yet. And that we're awaiting his return. So it's that the same way she has this hopeful expectation of, of the birth of Jesus. We are sitting here with this hopeful expectation of his return to make things, all, all things right again. And it's that kind of uh, duality of the two hopes that I think is really powerful and I, you know, I love, um, you know, we have certain traditions in our family during this time, and that's also an important part of it too, the kind of melding together of tradition and family and faith and coming together to do these things um, is always really, um, I think, a really healthy and important part of our lives. And it's something that I, I love and appreciate every year, but it's also 
Advent can be difficult. Um, and at our church, um, church that Jorge and I go to, we have a night called the longest night, which is actually like, it's literally the longest night. It's the night. It's the day with the least amount of sunlight, and the most dark. And I can't remember what day it's like December 20 or something, but we do a special church service and it's actually a time to lament and to, to, um, be sad about things or to process your grief. And this last um, year we had a family member die of extremely, we had a few family members die, but one of whom it was extremely tragic. Um, And during Thanksgiving, we were reflecting about that. And I think that's also an important thing to do in family too, is also to grieve together. I think we've all experienced that collectively in our own ways, but um and during this time, you have that hopeful expectation and the tradition and celebration, but you also take time to grieve uh, together as well. Yeah. And that's so good because like, that's something that, you know, Christians today in the church, like they don't do enough of, or really at all is lament. And um, I remember last, last, um, last Christmas season, um, our church did, it was, it was, it was like, it was part of the like Christmas series, but it was a whole, um, weekend, um, for lament. And like, let me tell you like, that is some of the most like, what's the way? What's the word? Like some of the most like reverent I've ever been able to feel towards like my faith and and Christ is like being able to like freely be sad and um you, you know and I it's talked about your whole like your whole life like you know cast your cast your burdens on on god like you know he is is supposed to be there for you and um have all your your you know your sadness and your fears and all that kind of thing but at the same time it's so like taboo in a sense as well to be that vulnerable with the God of the universe (laughs) for some reason. Um, And like another part of that as well, that we kind of miss miss out on is, you know, with the, the commercial commercialism that um, has kind of taken over Christmas over, you know, the past, how many centuries, like Advent is intended to be, kind of like Lent, um, a season of fasting, um, and contentment and just overall, like, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, just, you know, gratitude for, you know, what you've been given and what you, um, and gratitude for what you can give at the same time. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. It's a good season. It's the best season. The most wonderful time of the year, some would say. Yeah. If you're listening to this episode, you know, and maybe you have some thoughts or something you want to say, you know, <clears throat> when we post this this graphic for this 
for this ad that is going to be out, you know, feel free to comment, you know, what does, what does this mean to you? What does Advent mean to you? Is this new to you? Is this is the first time hearing about it. Do you want to do a deep dive? You know, we want to hear from you. Talk to us. Let us know what you're thinking. And we would love to really hear about it, maybe even share about it if that's okay. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us for yet another show. Again, please feel free to follow us on our socials. Uh, until then, I'm Jorge de la Cruz. I'm Chris Smith. And I'm Colin Dunham. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.